DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Andy Bailey, NBA analyst, writer for Bleacher Report, joining the show once again. Andy, welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. I am curious your take on a lot of people's take on the Jazz, that while they're good, and no one doubts that they are good, what really separates them from multiple teams in the league is the fact that they have just been much healthier. Healthier than the Lakers, healthier than the Clippers, now that Jamal Murray's been hurt, healthier than the Nuggets, healthier than the Sixers and the Nets. Are you buying it? Um, I think that's maybe fair to a degree, uh, what, what that ignores. And I, I haven't heard that as much maybe as you have. I've, I've certainly sort of seen that in the floating around in the ether, but Utah has been basically since what were they, they started three and three or something like that. Basically since then, they've been the best, the best team in the NBA. Um, and those guys that are, are out like LeBron and AD and, now Jamal Murray, they didn't miss the entire season. Um, so it's not like Utah has suddenly caught up to a bunch of teams since the injuries happened and, and overtaken them. They've been steadily the top team in the league pretty much the entire season. Um, so I, I do think maybe there's a kernel of truth to that. Um, but I also think there's there's just sort of um, a rush to find any way to sort of discount what the Jazz are doing. I, I think another part of it is people still don't think that they have stars and they, they just want to find some way to rationalize. I don't think this team is going to win at all. Or, you know, I don't, I don't trust that they'll, you know, pass the Lakers Clippers, whatever in the playoffs. So they're just kind of looking for little nuggets here and there that can discount what they've done so far. So we don't know on the circumstances because of the uh, play in or whatever you want to call it, the new formula version of the playoffs who the Jazz would actually face in the first round. But could you handicap the possibilities and who do you think that you would rank as most dangerous as far as who they might meet in the first round? Well, with the way Stephen Curry is playing right now, I, I would probably have to throw the Warriors near the top, if, if not at the top, for most dangerous um, potential eight seed. Uh, Utah you know, they have a strong, solid defense, but it's obviously anchored by Rudy Gobert. And I don't, you know, Conley's a, a solid veteran defender who's typically in the right spot. Um, but I don't I don't think they have a great option to guard Stephen Curry. Um, you know, they, they could throw Royce O'Neal at him or Joe Ingles at him. There's a bunch of different looks that they could give him. But right now it just looks like it, it doesn't matter what's thrown at Stephen Curry. So he would obviously be a problem. Um John Morant is, is difficult too, but I think of the teams that are kind of in that mix, I, I guess I'll, I'll back up a little bit. The teams that I think are, are in the mix to wind up eighth are Portland, Dallas, Memphis, Golden State, and San Antonio. Of those, I think Golden State and Dallas are probably the two toughest matchups. Um, Memphis probably Memphis and San Antonio probably the least toughest, and then Portland somewhere in the middle. I, I keep waiting for Portland to – fall off and they have a little bit here recently but I hesitate to to uh, doubt Damian Lillard I, there are problems with all of those teams this is, called, this is sort of an answer that's all over the place 
Um, but that's just sort of the nature of the West. Every one of these teams has star players, um, with the with the possible exception of the Spurs. I know some people would probably argue that DeRozan is still a star, and he's certainly been great this season. Um, but there are problems up and down <laughs> that six through ten range. The, the Western Conference is just loaded as ever. But if I had to pick one that you really, really want to avoid, it's probably Curry, and then after that, maybe Luka Doncic. So you bring up Curry, and he's hit 10 three-pointers in four of his last five games, I think. And he's got six on the year, and there's only like five games where somebody's hit 10 threes in a game in the whole rest of the league this year. It's off the charts. But he's not going to con- – you're not playing him now. It's a month to the playoffs. He's not going to keep this pace up for another month to get to the playoffs. And then two weeks in a playoff series, is he? <laughs> you wouldn't think that's possible. Um, but the way that he's playing right now, and I, I was just looking up some numbers this morning, and it's obviously not 10 threes per game. Um, but when you look at his numbers with James Wiseman or Kelly Oubre off the court, and it's maybe not fair to, to you know, throw Golden State struggles on those two guys. Um, but I think what it is, is is when certain players are off and the ball is in Curry's hands more and, and he's more of that heliocentric type of a player or playmaker, um, Utah's just – or Utah. Golden State is just a lot better, and so is Stephen Curry. I mean, when, when he controls every possession, um, he's just been lights out. I, I think the numbers – I'm going to pull them up so I don't get them wrong, but when, when Oubre's been off the floor this season, and a lot of this is influenced by the recent hot streak, but Curry's averaging 38.7 threes and six assists per 75 possessions with a, with a true shooting percentage around 70. Um, and Golden State is, is wailing on teams in those minutes too. So he's, he's going to be a nightmare whoever he plays, even if he calms down a little bit from what he's done in the last 10 or 11 games. Um, he, I, he, he's a guy who I think could single-handedly win a series, I, I, potentially against just about anybody in the West. I mean, I would, I would certainly pick the Jazz to win in five or six games over the Warriors. Um, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Stephen Curry had four games where he was just completely unstoppable. Um, so, so I think you make a good point. He's probably not going to be doing what he's doing now in, in a month or month and a half or whatever. Um, but he's going to be ridiculously dangerous, assuming he even gets to eight. I mean, like you said, we've got the play-in tournament still. So you put out a tweet. It's always interesting to me when commentators and analysts you casually claim that Donovan Mitchell is Utah's best player. You're trying to make a point there, but I'm not exactly sure what the point is. Could you explain? Um, yeah, I mean, to me, I think it's pretty clearly Rudy Gobert, um, who is not only the Jazz's best player this season but has been for five or six years now um and i think it's a general comment on and hopefully it doesn't seem too much of a slight to donovan mitchell but it's it's more of a comment on how good rudy gobert is and how he's he's just sort of not not necessarily ignored by the national media because he's obviously won a couple of defensive player of the year awards he's been all nba he's been an all-star um but I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. A lot of commentators and analysts think the Jazz don't have a star, and it's easier to trust a guy like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James in the playoffs because, oh, the Jazz don't have a top 10 to 15 player. Um, but in terms of impact, Rudy Gobert is absolutely a top 10 to 15 player. Um, and maybe this is a semantics argument. There, there's a debate between, <laughs> is there a difference between best player and most impactful player? Um, 
I, I don't think there is. I, I, I've heard the argument that it's different, and I think if you wanted to say Donovan Mitchell has more basketball skill than Rudy Gobert, um, that's, that's probably impossible for me to argue against because um, he just he can do more things. But ultimately, I, I think what matters most to me is who moves the needle the most towards winning, and that's been Rudy Gobert, not just for the Jazz, but, but he's one of the biggest needle movers, for lack of a better term, in the entire NBA, and he has been for half a decade. Um, you know, there are a couple people out there. I think John Hollinger is one of them who've actually said, you know, he deserves more recognition in the MVP race. Uh, he, he certainly won't win it and he may not get many votes but he's he's a guy who could certainly earn a you know top three vote for mvp i mean the jazz are the best team in the league and like i said they've been the best team all season and i think gilbert is is pretty clearly the biggest reason for that andy bailey joining us nba analyst and writer for bleacher report so the jazz play the lakers twice and we see because of that we're following the lakers a little close in all their media and we see the reports that uh Anthony Davis could literally be back for the next game, and if not, you know he'll be back in a week. He seems very close. But the reports on LeBron that he's still weeks, plural, away, there aren't that many weeks left in the regular season. We're in the playoffs in four weeks, so is there enough uh, runway here for LeBron to get back into basketball shape and for the team to all get on the same page and be in a playoff groove? I mean, I know he's LeBron, but is he just going to conjure this up out of thin air? Yeah, I, I think there's reason for some concern if you're a Lakers fan or, or you're in that organization. Um, I think the fallback is what you just said. LeBron is LeBron, and I think he's reached a point in his career where it's hard to it's hard to discount him um, until we've actually seen him falter, and he really hasn't since 2011. Um, and they've got you know, they've got a lot of chemistry to fall back on from last season's playoff run, and their defense is still you know pretty solid even without those two guys in there. So there's a lot going for them. Um, you know, I, I, this has quieted down in the last couple of weeks because I think the Lakers without those two have been a little bit better than people expected. But if he really is out for, you know, two, three, four weeks pushing up against the playoffs, then I think the chances of them falling into that play-in mix are, if not great, at least they're bubbling back to the surface. Um, and... <laughs> You know, if they have LeBron and AD for a play-in tournament, you know, whatever the format is, it's hard to imagine them losing two games, but that's a possibility. Um, and then if they, you know, if they wind up seventh or eighth, I, it's it's a tough matchup for the Jazz, obviously, but I, I think the Lakers would prefer to play the Nuggets without Jamal Murray than the Jazz. Um, so they're certainly... <laughs> they're certainly cause for concern uh, among Lakers fans. I think I think they would all be pretty confident in a series against the Jazz let's say if it wound up that way. Um, but that's that would be a heck of a first-round series, and I, and I think you could make an argument that the Jazz are the better team. So I am going to go on strike unless Donovan Mitchell gets first-team All-NBA. Is it a waste of time for me to think he's got a shot? <laughs> um, I, I would start working on your picket signs. Um, I th- There's just so many talented guards and and I actually saw something really interesting about Mitchell. I wish I could remember who tweeted this because I, I would give him credit. Um, I think it may have been the guy who started basketball reference, but I can't, uh, Justin Kubatko, I think is his name. But anyway, um, he posted something like players who average 25 points and five assists on the best 
the team with the best record in the league traditionally have been the MVP. It's, it's only happened a handful of times. Um, and we have to we have to look at Mitchell's numbers in the context of what's happening this season. I mean, there, there's an offensive and a statistical explosion this season that's really <clears throat> unlike anything that I've ever seen covering the league. And I, you know, I've only been doing this for ten years, um, but I've I've certainly spent a lot of time looking at the history of the league through assignments that I've had and things like that. Um, and this is very unusual. But but all of this is to say that. You know, I, I'm a, you read that tweet I had earlier, and again, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm discounting Donovan Mitchell, um, but he, he really is having a phenomenal season. And just in terms of round numbers, it is comparable to some MVP campaigns. And so I think there's an argument for him to be first-team All-NBA, um, but you're, you're, you're talking about guards that he's got to be put above and you know what Stephen Curry's doing right now what Luka Doncic has done for a lot of the season and I don't you know maybe they can qualify him as a forward I don't know there's just so many good guards this season that he would have to leapfrog I I think you could make the argument but I hope you've got some some spray paint and some signs that you can put together for that I do man and and I'm going to start at your house (laughs) So there are plenty of people who will not vote for him and will justify it. And, and basically the line of thinking is Utah is the Milwaukee of the West. They're going to win a lot of games. They might even be fun to watch on TV. But when the going gets tough, the Bucks get going. <laughs> right on out of the playoffs. Yeah. And the same thing's going to happen to the Jazz. They're going to lose to the Lakers in the second round. There's going to be uh, 24 hours of big fat I told you so's before the rest of the NBA turns around to watch big boy basketball with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nets and the Sixers. You would say what? Well, first of all, um, a lot of those takes, and, and I have felt this way for years, really annoy me. Um because it's really easy to pick a team and say they're not going to win the championship and then come back and do I told you so later. I mean, there are 29 teams that are not going to win the championship. And so a lot of analysts and and other people can pound their chest about something like that and have a very high percentage chance (laughs) to be right. And then, you know, on the, the off year that they're wrong or whatever, like the 2011 Mavericks or the 2004 Pistons or, you know, we could probably pick a few other surprising championship teams over the years. Um, there's, there's never the mea culpa, <laughs> you know, I was, I was wrong. Maybe, maybe there is occasionally, but you just don't see those as often. Um, you know, everybody doubts the team that hasn't done it until they've done it. And I think maybe there's a little bit of fairness to that. I mean, there, there's sort of a subconscious part of me that thinks, yeah, it's easier to trust Kawhi Leonard in the playoff series or LeBron James in the playoff series because we've, we've seen it before. Um, we've experienced Kawhi Leonard take over an entire postseason like he did with the Raptors. Um, we've seen LeBron James in the, in the finals for however long it was in a row, nine, ten years, whatever, whatever that streak was. Um, so, yeah, it's a little easier to discount the teams that haven't climbed all the way up the mountain yet, like the Jazz and the Bucks. Um, but I also think if you just look at things objectively, um, Utah is – on pace to break the record for most threes made per game for a season. They're shooting close to 40% from three. They've got, they've got one of the best defenders of all time. They've got a guy who can take over a series and Donovan Mitchell, as we saw against the Nuggets last season, they obviously didn't win that series, but what Mitchell did was absurd. So you've got, you know, that guy that everybody kind of looks for in the playoffs. 
um, who could take over on offense. You've got veterans like Conley and Ingles. Um, there's depth, there's shooting, there's defense. I, I think there's a very strong case to be made that the Jazz are one of those teams that can buck the trend. And if you if you dig your heels in and say, you know, the Jazz are going to win, you have you have a lot less you you have a lot lower chance of being right than the people who can get on TV and say there's no chance the Jazz will win. Um, so it's it's a little bit tougher call. Um, but I think to discount them outright and just say they have no chance is kind of ridiculous, frankly. But then to go with the theory of you've got to do it before we believe you can do it, and there's only two players or two teams, and it's the Clippers and the Lakers then, right? Because Steph Curry doesn't have yeah, enough horses I, right now. Durant, maybe the Nets, if he's healthy. Yeah, and I'm starting to wonder about the Nets because um, <laughs> they just they can't seem to get all three guys going at the same time, and maybe they're just being abundantly cautious and, and everybody will be fine in the playoffs. Um, but you're right. I, I think the default is, you know, it's easy to pick the Clippers or the Lakers, and I think it's easy to, to justify those picks. Um but I, I, I really do believe that this season, and I can probably knock the Nuggets off this. In fact, I, I think it's pretty safe to do so. But there are seven or eight teams that I think you could make a really good faith argument that they could win it all. Um, there's a ton of parity in the league right now, I think more than some people realize. And there's, there's a lot of variance with how many threes that these teams shoot. Um, you know, you can go on a cold streak for – two weeks and be done, or you can go on a hot streak for a month, month and a half and win it all. Um, and I, you know, there's a lot of variance with teams around the league. And I think there's actually a little bit less with the jazz because they are a really consistent three point shooting team. Um, you know, guys like Ingles and Conley and Mitchell have all been, you know, pretty good three point shooters for a while now. Bogdanovich is another one. Um, they, they've got a lot of options offensively and I think they've got a great anchor in Gobert so I think their variance is is slightly less chaotic than than some of the other teams in the league I I do think they have a solid shot so load up the vans everybody going to Wendover oh never mind just grab your phone you can bet on your phone you have to drive an hour and a half (laughs) Andy says it's going to be okay (laughs) or did I did I oversell that (laughs) well I (laughs) Be okay is probably a good way to put it. I, I am increasingly every year becoming one of those analysts who hesitates to make predictions. Because um, it's just, I mean, in the years when the Golden State Warriors had Durant and Curry, you know, full strength, it's easy to just say, oh, let's chalk it up to the Warriors um, when the season starts. But crazy stuff happens in the NBA every single season. Um and I, you know, I don't think you'd be flushing your money down the toilet if you if you put some on the Jazz. Um, but like I said, there are just so many good teams that I could see making it all the way. I mean, you mentioned the Bucks earlier. I, I think it's too early to even discount them. Um, the Sixers have a dominant, dominant big man in, in Joel Embiid. Um, the Clippers and Lakers, we've already talked about. The Jazz. I, I'm I'm a little more hesitant with the Suns than some other people are, but they've got a, a good, you know, modern roster with a veteran point guard who. Um, is certainly hungry right now. So there are, there are a lot of teams that you could put your money on. Um, if you're the gambling type, I, I, I don't think the Jazz are a terrible bet, though. 
Andy, we will leave it right there. Andy writes for Bleach Report, covers the uh, NBA as an analyst and writer for them. You can read his stuff there. Andy, we'll have you again on the show as the playoffs get closer. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything we've talked about in this show, next. Stay with us. What time is it? It's half past the hour and time to talk Utah Jazz. Oh, Donovan! This is your Jazz at 30 update, presented by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Ring the 30-point bell. Bell, bell. Utah Jazz beat the Lakers 111-97. Jazz win by 14. The game wasn't really that close. They were up 20 after three quarters. Their dominance established in the first quarter. The Lakers were down six after a quarter, and they were only that close thanks to 6-10 shooting from the three-point line. They were 2-8 of eight on two-pointers, and you can look at that stat and point straight to Rudy Gobert's return to the lineup. Frank Vogel, Laker coach on Gobert's impact. Gobert's a difference maker. He's one of the best defensive players in, in the league. Um, you know, but I still thought Drum had some really good looks inside. I thought he used his power uh, effectively at, at, against him. Just missed misses some shots that he, that he normally makes. Um, you know, but you know, Rudy Gobert is a, a difference maker for these guys. Jazz also got Derek Favors and Mike Conley back. Conley had five assists in the first quarter alone. Jordan Clarkson paces the Jazz with 22 points. Joe Ingles with 21 on five of eight shooting from beyond the three-point arc. Jazz are off today. They play the Rockets in Houston tomorrow, tip-off at 6 p.m. That's your Jazz at 30 update, brought to you by Syringa Networks. For many of our listeners, the daily grind begins at 6 a.m. sharp. Wake up! But for some of our uh, slightly less ambitious listeners, uh, what? this segment is for you. These are your 9 o'clock Where the Heck Have You Been slacker headlines. Wake up! With DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Obviously a great player. Dealt with adversity throughout his career and always seemed to come on come on top and uh, be the better from it. And uh, someone that he's dealt with different coaches, he's dealt with different systems, and, he, and he's always had success. And then obviously with the injury that he had, uh, to be able to come back and lead his team into the playoffs, it showed the type of man that he is, the type of team player that he is. And and uh, I'm just grateful for the time that I had with him that, that really developed me to be the quarterback that I am today. The news broke 24 hours ago that Alex Smith was retiring from the NFL. That's Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who has a rookie, backed up Smith and learned from him during his first year in the NFL. And he is clearly all on board Team Smith and a huge Alex Smith fan. You probably like to go out with the confetti falling down on you, holding up the Super Bowl trophy. But if you can't do that, John Elway did. It's a short list. Uh, If you can't do that, Alex Smith is certainly going out well, PK. Bouncing back from a horrific injury, few people believed he could. He started for Washington and a team, and really a franchise that's been a mess for 20 years. He won several games for them and got them into the playoffs. And as a final chapter in his uh, NFL playing career, that was a pretty good chapter. Well, I also think it's the most notable chapter. Interesting, he played 16 years, and that's what we go to right off the bat. We don't go to what he did uh, in the prior. In San Francisco and Kansas yeah. City, yeah. yeah we, we go to this thing and the comeback. So it's like that 
horrific injury, as you said, actually get, is going to give him his most fame in a weird, twisted way. Yeah, if it weren't for that, what would you go to? That He did play that crazy playoff game with the Saints where there were like four touchdowns in the last six minutes or something, and, and he scored on a long touchdown run, and they won the game to get to the NFC title game. That would, I think, be the highlight of his career. Maybe losing the job to Kaepernick because he had a concussion and had to miss a game. You know, it's uh, where else would you go with Alex Smith's career? About a half well, dozen playoff experiences. Pick of the draft. Yeah, number one pick in the draft. So he calls it a career, says he looks forward to the next chapter in his life. There's a lot of injury news. Mahomes was speaking with the media in part because of Alex Smith, but also in part because uh, he's recovering. He had turf toe and he had surgery for it. He says he's ahead of schedule on recovery. He was able to go to the Masters in Augusta. So that'll, that'll motivate your recovery. Hey, if I do well, I get to go to the Masters. Okay. I'm in. Green Bay Packers are moving their uh, first month of spring team activities virtual. They're going to do everything online here at the start. So uh, there's your NFL news from the day. How are you going to do jumping jacks online? That don't make no sense. Everybody gets in front of the camera and does their jumping jacks and their toe touches together. Unless you're Gronk. Did you hear this story? Last year they wanted him to send in videos of him doing his workouts from home. He literally did all of them in one day, changed his clothes between individual workouts that he filmed, and then sent all of them into the to the Bucks. There's technology now. They can put this thing on you and check your heart rate and all they that. They didn't do it, the so he, he filmed so it all he got in him, huh? one day. Got to get to the 21st century uh, technology. The computer, Big, bro- big Brother, can can track your, uh, your pulse, your blood pressure. Uh, College Hoops, the big news, Gonzaga gets the number one recruit in the country, Chet Holmgren. And will he pick up where freshman star Jalen Suggs left off? Because Suggs has announced he's going to the NBA draft. So, one phenom in, one phenom out. Gonzaga, will they keep motoring, PK? You put your phenom in, you put your phenom out. You shake it all around, and then you go out. Are we even looking in the right place, or is this more about their uh, losing their elite assistant coach and their international link to Arizona because he gets his own own team to run now? Well, if Tommy Lloyd was the ultimate key, then he was wildly underpaid. (laughs) I mean, you have to assume assistant coaches are going to leave from good programs. So uh, I think that it's about the program. And I suspect that they continue to, to go on. Now, I don't know if they're going to go to the final game every year. I mean, why, why would I heap the, the expectation on them when Duke and Kentucky aren't even coming close to doing that? An excellent point by you, and I think you know the answer to that is because they don't play in the SEC and they don't play in the ACC. And that may not be fair, but that's the way it is. And also, they play on the western side of the country, and most of the national media is not located in this part of the country. Gonzaga's got their attention. I just wonder if they can keep it. Oh, yeah. They can keep it, yeah. Because they've made the tournament every single year under Mark Few. And so they'll keep it to an extent. To what extent will determine, be determined by how far they advance? Is it, do they go to the second week? Do they go to the Elite Eight? Blah, blah, blah. So there are about five NBA games that caught our attention. Obviously, the Jazz beating the Lakers. Uh, Steph Curry shooting outrageous. He goes for 49 points. The Warriors beat the Sixers 107-96. He's 10 of 17 from the three-point line, and he made it look effortless. And you never thought they were bad shots. And he just, it's like he had everybody on a string. He moved him where he wanted. 
they would his teammates say, uh, is it, if, if Embiid's guarding me, I'll set the pick. Embiid's on me, I'll go set the pick. If not, let somebody else do it. And it just looked effortless in the fourth quarter. Made it look like you really don't want to play them in the first round of the playoffs now. I don't know that they'll have this form and be this healthy in another four to six weeks. But, man, did they look good. You're talking to the Warriors? Yeah. I mean, I think he looks good. I don't yep. know that they look good. He looks good. Jokic also looks good. He went for 47. The Nuggets beat the Grizzlies in overtime, 139-137. That's actually double overtime, uh, 139-137. And John Moran had a chance to win the game at the buzzer and got caught in the air and slammed the ball off the backboard and tried to go back up and tip it in. That would have been an outrageous way to win a game, but really he didn't come that close. He just got caught in the air. True. Suns beat the Bucks 128-127. This is the start of their big five-game road trip. Uh, they're playing five of the six top teams in the East, and then they'll follow that up with the Clippers and the Jazz at home. So a very difficult stretch for the Suns, and they won the first one in overtime, and they got a call right at the end, and Booker got to the line and won it. Yeah, it's a nice uh, couple of weeks this week and next week for these guys see where they're at, and if they come out of it in a good spot, well, that obviously puts the pressure on the Jazz to continue to win if they want that number one seed. The game with the Jazz and the Suns is in Phoenix April 30th. If you want to circle that one, that's really the Jazz' next big circle game. Circle it. I'm going to go to it. They ought to, they ought to uh, win every game getting, getting up to that one on the, uh, on the 30th. And the Jazz beat the Lakers. They had Gobert back. That changed things right away. Mike Conley is back. He had five assists in the first quarter. Favors came in and did his thing. That was uh, a much better performance by the Jazz, but not very entertaining, PK. They were in command of that game from the start. Quinn Snyder, who will uh, will point out any flaw, even said, I thought the team was dialed in right from the get-go. Up up 8 nothing. I think a Jazz win is highly entertaining to our audience. Yes, but I wasn't talking to Arden. I was talking to you and the fact that you and I really enjoyed that Saturday game, even though they lost and even though there were five I, All-Stars I, missing. It was highly competitive. This I was not. This was dominant. Yeah, but that's fine. It was still entertaining to me. I want to see them win. Having Joe do his thing, I find that entertaining. And the Celtics, the Suns are going to get the Celtics here in their next game on the Eastern Road Trip. How disappointed were you in Boston? Well, yeah, I thought, oh, they're coming around finally. It took a, virtually the whole season, and then... Tatum, I think it was like 3-17, something like that, and losing to a Zach Levine-less Bulls team. Yeah, that's Bulls. Yeah, that's Bulls something or other. I got you right there. That's unbelievable. And the question of the morning, which uh, many of you have been responding to, who thought Joe Ingles could be this good? Admit it, there's no way you did. Ingles continuing to amaze. 5 of 8 from the three-point line, 49% shooting. That's only one thing he does for the team, but it's one thing he leads the league in. The freaking league leader, yeah. I think Renee probably thought that, but that's about it. <laughs> you think Renee? Because the kids, Renee and the kids. Now the kids weren't there. Now I know you folk think that the, you know, they they were there. They're just not here. There, they were there, not here. So maybe they did. I don't know. We'd have to ask them. It's called the pre-existence, PK. When they come of age, yeah. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm in the post-existence right now for myself. But uh, other than that, I'm not sure anybody believed that he could play to this level. It really is phenomenal. It, it, 
it's just a great, great story. And the fact that he's come on the air for seven straight years on the radio and rarely misses a time, it's just, I, I don't know if you could pull it off anywhere. There's something to be said for the charming nature of the small market. Without question, there is. And I don't say that just because uh, I grew up in a small market and now live in a small market. But I just, it's even with the teams that are small market, off the beaten path, whatever, I just, I just can't find myself rooting for LA, New York, and Chicago all the time. And at some point, you get to be, even if you're, you know, Clemson is from South Carolina, right? Well, at some point, they win so much, they don't feel like the gutty little underdog anymore. You know, Gonzaga's doing the same thing. That was Clemson and underdog. I don't, I don't understand that knowledge. That Clemson knowledge. isn't a big dog in the history of college football. And when Clemson started winning, they hadn't done anything in 10 or 20 or 30 years. Yeah, I mean, they, they had, had a team a back. Title. They had back in like 81. Yeah. yeah but I think they'd also better been. better than everybody, most of the teams out there. But they had been very mediocre in the years leading so up to So was Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I know. But Alabama had multiple bites at the apple of being very good. Alabama's one of the blue bloods of college football. Clemson isn't. I mean, they I get now. they are now. They are now. I totally agree they are now. But if you want to go back over, you know, 60, 80, 100 years of college football, they're not. Notre well, Dame was great 100 years ago. Rudin and Rocky did the stuff in the 1920s. You, you'll go back as far as you need to go back to make your point. Yep. And I think I did. I did it quite well. Congrats <laughs> yes, to me. Props to me. <laughs> I agree. You did. <laughs> I'd agree with that. And that's all relative when you're going up against a New York, L.A., Chicago, or you're going up against Ohio State, Alabama, USC, Notre Dame. You know, it's all, I mean, Notre Dame can get into a playoff now, and we can look at them as the kind of the junior partner of the four. And it's hard to paint Notre Dame as a gutty little underdog. Uh, so everything, everything is relative. You know, a, a Wisconsin or a Georgia gets into the playoffs. They're the Cinderella. And that's why we like the small markets, because they're the Cinderella. After San Antonio had won four titles, we didn't really think of them as, San, as, as Cinderella. They still weren't a top 20 market. But with Duncan, they were beating people up for 15 to 20 years. Yep. All right, anything else you want to hit here, PK? Anything else to catch the people up? We talked draft with Dane Brugler, uh, NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. Acknowledging, acknowledging, yeah, five of the top nine picks will be quarterbacks, and probably two or three of them will bust. And nobody cares because, well, not that nobody cares, but everybody's willing to take that risk because that's just how important quarterbacks are in the NFL. Even if you can go get Kyle Pitts, you'd rather hey, I, roll I'm the dice on a quarterback. Men- if you mention Kyle Pitts one more time, I'm going to go crazy. Penny Sewell. You could go get an offensive lineman who you ought to be able to you know, anchor your offensive line for a decade. Uh, is that possible to anchor your offensive line with one player, though? Well, you need a complete unit. If you have if you have a weak link, it will be exposed. So I guess at some point you can say they're not anchored because they got this weak link over here. You know, right? However good your left tackle is, if your right tackle can't get it done, well, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, the quarterback's going to get his head knocked off. <laughs> the quarterback's going to roll left a lot, run away so, from that pass rush. Yeah, uh, football's the ultimate team game. And quarterback uh, is the most, important the most position. imperative position understood. 
and I'm interested, and we won't find this out for years to come, because I don't even know that you can make a judgment on Sam Darnold right now. The Jets did. They deemed Zach Wilson better than Sam Darnold. That's Or, or yeah. at least going forward, maybe in a year or two or three. Although I don't know that you really get three years to develop anybody now. As far as a coaching staff and a, uh, a management team, I don't know that you get that much time. So going to be a lot of pressure on uh, Zach Wilson. We'll have his quarterback guru, John Beck, scheduled to join us tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock to talk about that. And that would just be, what, eight days? The draft is next Thursday. Is that when it gets started? Is it go Thursday, Friday, Correct. Saturday again? nine days yeah. out. So that at that point will be eight days. But uh, it seems to me it's unfair to evaluate, oh, Zach, or Sam Darnold is this or that. Do we really know? what Sam Darnold is as far as his NFL career. Well, He's I think 23 that, years old. I think just to improve it here, <clears throat> you know, you can't render a judgment, <clears throat> and yet the Jets did. I think what you're saying is you can't render a final judgment. They have to make a call right now, keep him or draft and try again. But the final judgment, uh, you could probably come back oh, to tomorrow's to show God. with that's a not- whole— Okay, from a football sense, please oh, okay. stop. <laughs> stop. First, the yuck. The final judgment, when I hear that, I'm not thinking football. <laughs> you, you didn't kind of tee him up on that one. After, pre-existence. After pre-existence earlier. Final Come judgment. On. PK's having a segment. The final There's, judgment. There are two representatives of a certain faith that would like to visit with you, PK. I thought, I thought it was pretty clear we were talking about football, <laughs> not the second coming, but... <laughs> That's part of it, yeah. Apparently, I missed sec- the book. We got second coming, coming. We got the whole thing going here. If a player plays 15 years, when can a final judgment be issued? Well, just to go to Alex Smith, because he just retired, I think we basically knew who Alex was in the middle of his run with Kansas City at what, I don't know what he was, eight years really? in the league at that point. Yeah, he was pretty much, he was a playoff quarterback. He could get teams to the playoffs, and... He wasn't a Super Bowl quarterback, and you would have been right. But He's Brad a playoff Johnson, quarterback. He's Brad Johnson third, was a half. Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah, Rich and Gannon you know, was a Nick, Super Bowl quarterback. Nick Foles, who can't even hold on to a starting job. That's my point. What is final judgment? And you can go all over the map with it. For some players, not Tom Brady. Well, yeah, obviously, and many players. Drew Brees, blah blah blah. Once someone is 30, do you know who they are? Do they surprise you anymore? Yeah, that's, that was my point. The one thing you can say about the Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, and a lot of this may go to the salary cap and the finances, is that we're finding out who a lot of these guys are very young. I mean, we know who Mahomes is. We're not going to argue who he is. We're not going to argue who Russell Wilson is. They won Super Bowls early, but they were so good early that they could win on the rookie contract. The teams didn't have to spend as much on the quarterback, so they could spend more on the rest of the roster. But then once these guys take their $30, $35, $40 million contracts, they don't have as much money to spend on the rest of the roster, (laughs) and they they, become gettable for the rest of the league. Then they need to uh, just be married to a supermodel who makes $50 million a year. (laughs) And Brady can take less. And And he does. Wilson's married to a celebrity. He's not taking less yet. Maybe he will, but he's not yet. And Mahomes just took a big chunk of the Chiefs' salary cap, so... Times change, guys get paid, and it's going to impact the rest of the roster. Yep. All right, DJ PK, your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. 
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. If Zach Wilson is taller than six foot and weighs more than 200 pounds, I will eat his cleats. That, I, I, I've seen him in person. That dude is not a feather over 200 pounds, and he's no 6'2". No, I did not see this coming from Joe Ingles. Every year, I've been shocked by his ability to get things done, but his best thing is his basketball IQ and his dead-eye shooting, of course. The best thing. Now a list. (laughs) Best thing indicates singular. Tell them you're a grammarian. Yeah, my grammatics would indicate the best thing is uh, one individual thing, not uh, a plurals. Uh, The Zach Wilson reference in there, that's because Dane Brugler was uh, talking about how he's 6'3", 220. He can hold up to the rigors of the NFL. Okay, he's not 6'3", 220, but pro day, 6'2", 210 pounds. And that's multiple NFL teams who are confirming that number. Aren't we beyond that, though? We should be. Is Lamar Jackson a huge guy? No. I mean, we always go to Drew Brees. I say Drew Brees. He's he's done now, so I'm done with him. Uh, I'm going to go... Russell Wilson is, is Kyler Murray, these yeah. guys. Now, Murray hasn't proven to the level of Wilson, obviously. But to me, this Wilson is tall enough. If he doesn't succeed, it's not going to be because of his lack of height. If he doesn't succeed, is it going to be because the Jets organization is a mess and hasn't had no. much success in decades? No. No, or can a quarterback overcome all of that thing. and just yeah. well, wave the He's not going to – if it's that bad, he can leave. So I'm not going to go the Jimmer thing. He didn't get his chance because uh, the Kings were a mess and because well. you love Jimmer that much and you want to blame it on everybody else except Jimmer didn't have the skills to compete at a high level in the NBA. Uh, so maybe that's a short-term deal. But if he doesn't succeed, then they'll trade him like they traded Sam Darnold. Yep. Yeah, and, and we just saw Alex Smith go through it, and that was the thing early in his career, but he ended up going to the playoffs with three different teams. So, But I'll tell you what. Oh, what, what, what? Zach Wilson's going to succeed. Yeah! And I'm going to write about it, and then five years later, I'm going to go back and mock all the doubters. Okay, our good friend Hans Olsen just sent us in. Pro Day measurement has no wiggle room. There's no fudging on these numbers. It's... All these teams, they want exact numbers on these guys. So six two two ten. There you go. That, and I still, even if he was six one. So what was Steve Young? Steve Young's not a giant. No. Yeah, but like Breeze, he's done. I'm done with him. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're never done with Steve Young. That's a true story. Steve, our phone lines are open. Anytime you want to call, we'll just let Hans and Scotty get on a little late. You can call right now. Oh, especially if you're involved. Jeez, Yock, remember that day? Yes, I do. <laughs> I had a great lunch during that interview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just big noises the rest of the show. Well, for some people, that's what they hear when I speak, as I was told this time yesterday to shut up. Shut still up! Not, still not over it. No, you'll hold on to that for decades. Except I don't know what it was. I mean, I'm talking for all these times. What should so I which specifically? Yeah. Oh, it was about 17 things you said. And I know, but, all I, of but, them. but I would like to know specifically what, because I want to I be able to gloat. What did I say that got under his skin? But if it's just too general, I don't know, and I don't get near the enjoyment out of it. 
Yeah, I can't help you. I don't know what it was for. You just have to make something up and embrace it. Mm -hmm. uh, Who here thought Joe Ingles could be this good? Admit it, no way you did. Benjamin tweets back at us. Since when are we talking? Jazz fans have known it for years, and I'm guessing Paul George knows it too. Wink emoji, laughing till crying emoji. (laughs) Okay, even though then, since then to now, I think there's been another phase, don't you? I totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Absolutely. He's getting getting better and better. Right. I mean, everybody knows how good Donovan Mitchell is, right? There is a reason why Donovan went 2 for 17, or was it 3 for 17, whatever, awful numbers on a gazillion shots, multiple times in the first month, and no veterans went nuts. There was nothing. And you asked Jazz players about it in January, and why? And it's because we played with him in September. We saw the talent then. We knew. All the stars around the league knew. They're, They're greeting him after games, hugging him, embracing him, trading jerseys with him. They knew. And yet, he gets hurt and leaves, and they plug Joe in, and, and they'll miss a beat. Yeah, you say that about Donovan Mitchell. We, you know, he's making fun of Paul George. I remember Paul George at that time in a post-game interview said, that, no surprise to me, we have the same agency. I saw it in the summer. I heard about it, and I saw it. And, and I remember George said, and he said it so matter-of-factly. And I don't remember, was it with Indiana? Was it with OKC? I don't remember what the timeline was. Like My thought would probably be Indiana. But I remember him saying that. And I thought, wow, man, Paul George is really pumping up this kid. Uh, so uh, that stuck with me all this time. Yeah, and they, oh, they don't miss a beat uh, against the Lakers, the, this version of the Lakers. I mean, I think they're going to need, certainly going to need Mitchell to go all the way. And they're yep. going to need Joe. They're going to need everybody. Yeah, they are. I, mean, I agree with that. They, they are going to need everybody. Yeah. But it, Joe, Joe shot his career high in the NBA three-point shooting was 44%. That was uh, four years ago. It was in the 2017 season. Uh-huh. Now, since then, his numbers have fallen because he's taking more. And, of course, he's not surprising anybody. He's now the focus of scouting reports and everybody knows, right? This year, he's shooting 49%. He's the focus of scouting reports, and everybody knows. But he's shooting 49%. He's getting yeah. better. He's wow. getting, there's no other way to spin that. Nope. He's getting better. It's another level. All right, DJ PK, we're done. Hands and Scotty are next. We'll see you tomorrow.